0: AB Plus, online, via the TalkSport app and on your smart speaker. UFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Welcome to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. Good evening. Today, Ipswich dropped points again in the championship as Southampton and Leeds leapfrog them in the race for automatic promotion. Fresh than three, Ipswich two. Ipswich came into this game having lost just three all season,
1: but it is a defeat that leaves them out of the top two for the first time since match day number eight.
0: Are Sheffield Wednesday destined for the drop after being thrashed at Huddersfield? It could be another disastrous defensive mix-up. Karoma is in here, and how about that to seal it? A fourth for Huddersfield Town. And what a dreadful afternoon this has turned into for Danny Royal and Sheffield Wednesday. And is it time for Blackburn to part company with their manager, John Dahl Thomason?
2: Joe Hodge to on goal, it's Hodge on his debut to score for QPR, to turn the heat up on John Dahl Thomason and Blackburn Rovers.
0: Uh, We'll be looking ahead to lots of EFL action this week as well on EFL All Access. Plenty to talk through over the next hour here on Talk Sport 2. I am Hugh Wasencroft. Good evening. If you are just joining us, you may have missed the breaking news from a few moments ago. Buckingham Palace announcing that King Charles has been diagnosed with a form of cancer. We wish him all the very best. You can follow that news on Talk TV, Talk Sport or with our colleagues on Times Radio. But uh, in the meantime, let us say uh, good evening to Cheltenham Town defender, Curtis Davis. How are you doing? How are you doing, Hugh? I'm doing very well, my friend. Uh, Listen, talk to me. Talk to me firstly before we dive into some of the other events of the weekend. How things are for you at Cheltenham Town this season. We know how difficult things were, that long run at the start of the season, without the team scoring you're in the mix at the moment in terms of staying up, but you know it will be a battle. How are things at the club right now?
2: Um,
1: yeah, I think we all know it's well documented at the start of the season how it went. We didn't score in the first 10 games, um, took one point in that time. Um, so it's always going to be an uphill battle. But I'd have to say since since Daryl's been in the building, um, we've kind of simplified things a little bit more, um, been, I guess, horrible to play against um, in the nicest way possible. Um, and we've made it difficult for teams. Um, The frustration comes from even having played Portsmouth. We beat Portsmouth at home, but played Bolton and Derby. We believe we should have got something out of those games. And in the Wickham game, which, with all due respect, was maybe the more winnable one on paper, we let ourselves down by conceding poor goals and and giving the game to them. And um, it's just about coming out of the blocks and firing tomorrow against Burton to try and get ourselves
0: back on um, that winning trail. Keep fighting, keep fighting. I'm sure you've got a chance of staying up. And as you mentioned, things have turned around. We'll be wishing you all the best all the way through the rest of the campaign. Curtis. Um, Before we move on to your division, we'll be moving on to the championship and we'll start towards the top of the table with Ipswich Town because a little bit of negativity around them at the moment, as amazing as it has been, of course, since their promotion from League One last season, you know, they were right in there and almost had a bit of a cushion when it came to automatic promotion. That has now gone. The Tractor Boys dropping down to fourth after a 3-2 defeat by Preston at Deepdale this weekend. The question is really... Are they starting to fall off? Are they falling away now? as the pressure got to them? What do you make of Ipswich right now? I think if if you're
1: a realistic football fan and a realistic football person, um, to see Ipswich fourth currently and 11 points clear of fifth in the championship after having just come up, you'd be buzzing with that position. I think they're a victim of their own early success. Yes, it looked like Leicester and themselves were running away with it and, and going to make that big gap between themselves and third. But let's not forget the the, the teams that have overtaken them are Southampton and Leeds that have mm. just come down from the Premier League, have had the parachute payments and everything like that. Um, I don't think it's time to panic. I think having seen the goals from the Preston game, um, it was a self-capitulation, to be honest, in the way that they were playing out of the back, got... got the ball taken off them three times and, and gave them the goals. So I think, um, not to say that they're going to change their way of playing, but you avoid those kind of mistakes, then, you know, you, you're fine. But I think if you look at recent results, you know, I think the biggest disappointment comes from the draw with Stoke, the draw with QPR, you know, but around that, you know, you've had a a, a draw with two draws with Leicester that, you know, they're, they're your, your, your rivals as, as such for the, for the championship title. Um, had two draws with them, beat Coventry beat Middlesbrough, beat Watford so it's not all doom and gloom and I think they're in a good position but what I will say is towards the back end of the season is when they they have a few sticky games where they come up against a lot of the other promotion favourites shall we say, or Mm. or the teams that are looking to get promoted so that could be difficult knowing that they're all going to be vying for a position uh, in that
0: top six. Still a long way to go, you mentioned the mistakes they made during that first half of, of this game uh, and you're absolutely right. They're not going to be changing their playing style. Uh, Kieran McKenna said he didn't feel like it was really that bad, in fact, during the game. His side made the errors that led to their defeat and only really had themselves to blame.
3: There's no doubt yeah. about it. Look, it's what's, it's a big part of what's brought us success um, over the last two years. And um, the players have
1: full belief in in how we play. And, and one aspect to that is being able to, you know, play for the opposition presses, you know, really well. And... Uh, yeah, we can see that a goal today—it's probably, you know, one of a very, very few in the last couple of years. It's going to happen at some point in the season, and it's important we support the players with that. Um, of course, second half it helps when you have the variation as well because we want to be able to play over the press at times as well. And, and with Kiefer on, he was able to give us that uh, that support. But um, no, there's big belief here in what we do. We know the the benefits over the longer term that we've already seen, and that we'll continue to see. And um, you know, we, we'll really stick to, to our values and, and what we believe in.
0: Curtis, I agree with you. Um, Just in terms of not putting too much pressure on Ipswich Town, I think one of the the interesting aspects when it comes to pressure is, you know, I remember speaking to those Ipswich Town fans when they were going up from League One and they were saying, if we can get promotion here, we really feel like we can go and do the double promotion to which I obviously replied, keep your feet on the ground here, guys. You know, (laughs) like the championship is not that easy a league. And actually, they've made it look easy at times under Kieran McKenna. So I can understand where the internal pressure... Possibly comes from, but actually, during this most recent period where the results haven't exactly gone their way, it's not that like they've been losing every week, by the way, just haven't been picking up the consistent wins that they were earlier on in the season. You actually have to look at the teams around them and say, look, that pressure has come from the fact that Southampton, who beat Rotherham by two goals to nil this weekend, are on a club record unbeaten run of 21 league matches. Rather unbelievable. They've moved up to second. And then you've got Leeds United at the moment, who went to Bristol City on Friday night live on TalkSport 2 won by a goal to nil thanks to Wilfred Nonto scoring on his first start, by the way, for Leeds. Uh, Since December, five successive league wins. First time they've done that since July of 2020 when they were promoted to the Premier League. So you can see actually where the pressure is coming from. A little bit internal. The external stuff maybe from us in the media isn't what's weighing on them. It might just be looking at the table and seeing other teams each and every week picking up big results.
1: Yeah, well, Again, I go back to the table. You, you strip strip it down, and the three teams above them are all were all in the Premier League last year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you, so if you take those three teams out of the league, they're eleven points clear of everyone else. So, so it's, it's context. Every, yeah, everything yeah. everything is context. You know, if 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 you're if you're coming up from League One, and I understand. Listen, some teams have done the back-to-back, um, back to back, back straight up to the Premier League and stuff like that. The big club, Southampton, did it. Um, and I'm not sure if Bournemouth did it the first year, but it's it's a really difficult thing to do. Now, I believe Kieran McKenna's football and the style of football and the structure and the detail of the way they do things is what's allowing them to do that. But outside of that, you still have to compete with other teams' squads. Now, I believe that Ipswich have got a good squad, a very good squad, but can their squad, in terms of when they lose a, a key man... Compete with Leeds, compete with Leicester, compete with Southampton. Probably not. You know, Southampton have told two players in one in January and one in the summer, one for fifty million, one for forty-five million. Mm. And 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 you know, so so we're talking in different stratospheres in terms of what the squads can do and what what they can do with their budgets. But I think Ipswich are, are ticking along nicely. I think they're where they should be. You know, ultimately, they've they've not been in too bad of a run. They've they've, they've played their good football and it's come unstuck against Preston. But I wouldn't want them to change. It's what's got them all the success. It's what's made it so difficult. I think if you throw in, obviously, the Maidstone game as well, which obviously Mm. um, was a banana skin. I I spoke to Gavin Hoyt before the game and and I told him, I said, listen, I said, you're not going to see the ball. I said, you're just going to be following men all over. Blah. he said 85% of the game, he said, we, we didn't touch the ball. Mm. He said, I, yeah. I didn't touch the ball, I just headed kicked. But <laughs> they they came away with the win because Ipswich were on the front foot wanting to go for the win. And that's the way Ipswich have to play to get the best out of themselves. Now, at times, it's going to come unstuck like Preston, like Maidstone. But I'd back them to the end of the season. And, and I, I, I can't see them not being in the playoffs. I think, it's a, like I say, it's a slight wobble. Mm. And I think, if anything, when the bigger teams come to town that maybe... show a little bit more respect to not not the Ipswich show a little bit more I'm saying that the the smaller teams will will, will shut up shop, the bigger teams will want to go there and still try and get the win Um, so I think when those teams come to town I think Ipswich are very good at breaking them down and and getting their win themselves
0: What do you think of that race for second now Southampton as I say 21 matches unbeaten, Leeds United 5 straight wins, of course Leicester City running away with the title at this point they're 11 points clear uh, after a 5-0 victory over Stoke at the weekend. We'll talk about Stephen Schumacher's Stoke a little bit later on. But Southampton and Leeds, would you put them almost ahead of Ipswich now in terms of favourites for that second place? I think you would coming
1: into the business end simply because of you know the, the time of season and and they've just managed to nip ahead now just after, after January. And as I've already just touched on, the size of their squads and, and that experience of actually more so Leeds in, in recent years have, have had that promotion. Um, Southampton will know how to do it. They've, they've got a lot of players that 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 have done it before. So I think just based on them two being former Premier League sides with the size of their squads, I'd say they're slightly ahead, but I still believe in the way that switched can play. I wouldn't be surprised if they were able to put the cat amongst the pigeons and still fight for that second place.
0: No one's going to read in Leicester.
1: No. Nah. <laughs> Don't see it. Don't see it. They're just, um. they're, they're too strong. Uh, ruthless and, and that's what it is, you know, at this level you can dominate teams and pop the ball around them and don't take your chances but every time I watch Leicester they're just ruthless, they're to the point, they get their goals and then they, they, they it's not death by a thousand cuts, it's just a straight juggernaut and it, and it gets you really quick
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. They are absolutely unbelievable. And they were this weekend. Jamie Vardy with a couple of goals off the bench. Patson and looking lethal in front of goal as well. Uh, we'll talk about Stoke and what Steven Schumacher thought about their side of things at the weekend. But a 5-0 win for Leicester. 11 points clear at the top. It's all about the race for second, I think. There's a big race in terms of survival. We're going to talk about that next. We'll uh, discuss Blackburn Rovers and the pressure on Jondal Thomason, their manager. A little bit later on in the show, just after half past, we'll be joined uh, by Leighton Orient's Omar Beckles, of course, the PFA chair as well. We'll talk about their recent great run, but also what's been going on in terms of the issues involving racism. And if you like hooliganism in the game that we've seen in recent weeks, we'll also, of course, dive into the big stories in League Two this evening. You're listening to EFL All Access. I'm Hugh Wissancroft alongside Curtis Davis. It's all thanks to uh, McDonald's. Order Mc- McDelivery on the McDonald's app. You can get tasty rewards. It's 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. But let's get back uh, into the championship, Curtis. And we're going to bring in a guest for our next conversation because it involves a big, big club in the shape of Blackburn Rovers who were beaten by Queen's Park Rangers at the weekend. Um, at, at Ewood Park, it's the first time QPR have won there since 1999. Joe Hodge, Wolves Lonely, signed on deadline day, got his first goal on his first senior career appearance. That was the difference. They remain... Uh, in the relegation zone, Queen's Park Rangers, three points from safety with fellow strugglers, Huddersfield Town beating Sheffield Wednesday. We'll talk about them a little bit later on, but it is a difficult time for Blackburn Rovers, now seven matches without victory and real pressure growing on manager Yondal Thomas. And let's speak to Ian Herbert from the 4,000 Holes podcast, which is part, of course, of our Talk Sport fan network. Good evening.
2: Hi, Hugh. Good evening. Hi, Curtis.
0: Hi, Harry. Firstly, Ian, just tell us uh, your feelings on the result at the weekend and how you think your team performed.
2: It wasn't the best of afternoons, I've got to be honest. Um, the, the result was kind of on the cards early on. QPR burst through on two or three occasions with more clinical finishing. It could have been out of reach by half time, to be perfectly honest. We struggled. We didn't, we didn't look as though we were really up for it. We didn't really look as though we had a cutting edge to break through. And when QPR scored their second, descent in the ranks broke out on the terraces, you might say. Um, whilst we got one back. Truly, honestly, we didn't really look like we we're going to get an equalizer. So it was a, it was a chastening experience. I think it's fair to say.
0: You mentioned the terraces. Tell us what was the mood like amongst the Blackburn fans right now?
2: I think we're just completely disenchanted. Our problems have been bubbling around since the summer. Uh, our Indian owners are prevented from sending funds over to the UK by court injunction over in India. So that means that in order to carry on trading, the club essentially has to raise money to just keep the lights on and pay the wages. So that has led us to be a distressed seller of Adam Wharton in the window And we suspect that that's purely a device to to get some money into the club to enable us to carry on trading. So Yondal Thomason is struggling in that backdrop, really, to try and make sense of what's going on. The project that he thought he'd signed up for seems to have changed.
1: With that being said, are you quite relieved that you've still got Sammy Smoddich?
2: He's the one bright hope, but even he, he looked as though he'd had enough on Saturday. Uh, I, think, I think I tweeted at one point that he looked like he was just about to explode with frustration. He was constantly berating his teammates and seemed to be sort of urging them on. Without his goals, clearly we'd be struggling. He's been absolutely magnificent. He's filled the Ben Brereton-Diaz-shaped hole quite superbly, but we can't expect him to carry the team throughout the whole season. And at the moment, there's a a massive responsibility on his shoulders. We just need to find a way of spreading the goals around and sharing that workload and not being overly dependent on a single player, I think.
0: Your manager didn't do any media before the game at the weekend. There were reports he was quite unhappy with the lack of transfer activity. You mentioned the lack of funds. Of course, Adam Walton, you mentioned going to Crystal Palace as well. Do do you understand why there would be a frustration coming from the manager right now?
2: Categorically, 100%. I think it was Kevin Keegan, wasn't it, a few years ago when he walked away from Newcastle for the second time, said it's not like it's said in the brochure. And you get the feeling that with JDT, a similar situation is unfolding here. He just to be absolutely explicit, it was a club decision that he didn't do any media on Friday, which I think was incredibly short sighted because the minute you sort of say the man we've told the manager he can't speak to the media, the very first question, the next press conference is going to be. Why did the club not let you speak yesterday? And one suspects is that they were worried it was going to be a distraction before the game because he would tell the truth. He came under the assumption that certain players were going to be provided for him to enable him to play in a certain style. The budget was cut in the summer and then we had the fiasco in January of setting up a permanent deal for Duncan McGuire. The mm. lad flew over from Orlando <laughs> halfway across the Atlantic. We changed our mind. Then when he landed, we changed our mind again and tried to make it a loan deal. And then having secured the deal, photographed him holding a shirt and all the rest of it. Apparently for the third time in two January windows, we failed to register a player properly. Now, if we go down by a, few, a couple of points or something like that, and we can't play Maguire, serious, serious questions have to be asked of just what's going on behind the scenes. So to come back to your original point, the fans, I think, want to know just what on earth is going on and why we are making so many basic, fundamental mistakes in the running of our club.
0: Do you blame him? Do you blame the manager at all for any of the results or anything that's going on? Because if it continues... It's likely, as we know in football, that the blame and responsibility will be shouldered by the manager. But did you do you actually feel he deserves that?
2: He deserves some challenge. He's you know, he's he's not blameless. I have a lot of empathy for the situation he's found himself in. But clearly, if you you know, the window is now closed, the players that we've got are the players that we've got. So the manager's job is to get the best out of those resources. So to that extent. He may have to compromise on some of his principles and play in a slightly different way, more pragmatic, shall we say, than ideally would hope. Um, But the club and JDT at the moment seem to be locked in something of a loveless marriage where the club don't want to sack him because they haven't got the money to pay him off. And when he offered to leave in the summer, they said, well, if you're going to go, you have to pay off the the rest of your contract. So it, it just seems to be the worst of all worlds at the moment. You've got a manager who clearly has little or no faith in the uh, superiors to whom he reports, a squad that isn't furnished with the players that he wanted. And that that's permeating through the squad. You could see it on Saturday. It was an awful, awful atmosphere. I know it's a cliche to talk about players' body language, but they really did look thoroughly fed up, but not half as fed up as the fans. Could have
0: really been the kind of result that kept you in the championship had you won at the weekend because QPR, of course, the team who essentially are essentially the ones really chasing survival and can catch you a- amongst the hosts of almost half a dozen other teams. But ultimately, the facts are you're five points above them now. Do you fear relegation or do you feel like you will keep them at arm's length?
2: It would be foolish not to fear it I don't because that would allow complacency to set in. And I think that would be incredibly dangerous. Our next two league games are against Stoke City and Birmingham City, who are 20th and 19th immediately beneath us. Mm. But if you look at the bottom of the table, we haven't beaten Rotherham in two matches. Sheffield Wednesday hammered us at Hillsborough. QPR beat us on Saturday. Huddersfield took four points off us over Christmas. So the sides below us, we can't beat... So if you can't beat the teams around you and underneath you, it does raise some serious spectres of relegation. All the warning signs are there. I think Saturday's game is going to be absolutely crucial.
0: Okay, Ian, thank you so much for joining us. That's Ian Herbert from the 4,000 Holes podcast. That's part of the TalkSport Fan Network. We wish you all the best with those two results. Absolutely massive for Blackburn Rovers. Uh, And remember, the TalkSport Fan Network, a collection of podcasts made by the fans for the fans. So just search TalkSport Fan Network. You'll find out more on the internet and wherever you get your podcasts from as well. Uh, Curtis Davis alongside us. Let's talk about Blackburn, but generally let's talk about this championship relegation battle because... It is huge down there at the moment. We mentioned Stoke beaten 5-0 by Leicester at the weekend. The first time in Stephen Schumacher's managerial career that he's lost three successive games. They're on 32 points. They're just a point behind Blackburn, Birmingham and Millwall. All very much in it. At Rotherham, 16th loss of the season. That one we mentioned earlier against Southampton as well. It means the Millers have now won just once in their past 18 games. They're 12 points adrift at this point in time and looking very much like they will be relegated. A game I went to at the weekend and couldn't really believe the scoreline, to be perfectly frank, was Huddersfield 4, Sheffield Wednesday 0. And you couple that with Queen's Park Rangers win over Blackburn, and it was a very intriguing weekend uh, in terms of that picture at the bottom. Let's very quickly hear from Stephen Schumacher, the Potter's boss, because the question I'll ask you in a few moments' time regards them most importantly. Um, four points and two places above the relegation zone, two huge games next. Blackburn on Saturday, QPR on Valentine's Day a few days later as well. Could they be sleepwalking towards relegation? Let's hear from Stephen Schumacher. He spoke to our very own Jeff Peters after that result.
1: It seems almost out of nowhere, the, the club... Are- Two places above the relegation zone. I think four points. It, it it looks a bit it looks a bit difficult down there for you.
2: Well, that's where we were when we came in. We were two places above the relegation zone, and that's a, a four points clear. So nothing's changed in the eight games. That's kind of how it was. As I say, we've um we've had some good performances, and we've shown some good signs that you know we're trying to implement stuff that will, will give us a better chance to win games. But today, as I say, we didn't do the basics right. We We just were off it and got beat by a better team. And sometimes you've got to hold your hand up and say, yeah, they are a better team. But we've got to work harder and and make it harder for them to to score and play against us. So, yeah, we have to reflect on it. We have to make sure that we're ready to go next week because there's a huge game now at Blackburn.
0: Stephen Schumacher there speaking to our very own Jeff Peters. Curtis, you don't want to judge them after playing Leicester City. They were beaten 3-1 by Sunderland the game before that, 2-1 at home by Birmingham the match before that. They did beat Rotherham away from home and it was a couple of draws in the games before. That hasn't been really the worst start, you have to be perfectly honest, for Steven Schumacher at the club, but the last three games clearly not going the way he would have hoped. Is there a chance that Stoke City will sleepwalk towards relegation if they're not careful?
1: Yeah, I think anyone's game. You know, ultimately, they're down there for a reason. Um, Unfortunately for for Steven, since he's taken over, um, he hasn't been able to change it as quickly as he would like. Obviously, he's, he's had the win in there against against Rotherham, but other than that, uh, a win against Birmingham and, and a few draws around that have, has all that's been exciting since he's been there. But I think it's just an interesting appointment in the first place in the fact that they knew that they were going to be in a relegation battle and they've employed who I believe will be a progressive manager. So if you give him the time, he'll get the team doing the right things like I know, listen, he took over from his good friend Ryan Lowe at, at, at Plymouth, but the job he did to get him promoted was fantastic last year. So I think now he's there, I think they need to give him the time and give him the space to work. And then hopefully the, the best will come from it. So I do believe in him, but unfortunately, losing doesn't breed much confidence, mm. does it? So um, these next two games are so important. Blackburn, as we just spoke about, and QPR, um, they're 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 two massive games. Because, obviously, if, if they can get wins in both of those, then all of a sudden they could end up being 10 points clear of it and it's all forgotten. Um, So it's, it's a very important next two games, but I don't think Steven Schumacher will be panicking too much. I think um he'll believe in his squad. He'll believe in the players that he's got.
0: And um it's just about application on the pitch. Yeah, we spoke about Stoke and Blackburn, but to be honest, that picture at the bottom, we could have spoken about so many clubs because from Millwall in 16th down to QPR in 22nd, just five points separate those eight teams it's going to be very 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 close when it comes to survival in the championship this e- this season and of course we'll be keeping you uh, right up to date with that story throughout with all of our live games here on TalkSport 2 but you are listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 in partnership with McDonald's you can order McDelivery on the McDonald's app you get tasty reward points it's 18 plus terms and conditions apply up next we'll be hearing from Leighton Orient defender Omar Beckles Talksport 2, official broadcast partner of the English Football League. We will continue our conversation here on Talksport 2 regarding the EFL. Uh, as I say, I'm alongside Curtis Davis, and I'm delighted to say we are now joined by Leighton Orient's very own and PFA chair, Omar Beckles. Good evening.
3: Thank you for having me.
0: No, no, thank How you. Are you doing? I'm very, very well. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I know you're very busy. Got a game tomorrow but been on a great run, which is where we really want to start with Leighton Orion. Four wins in five games, 3-2 win over Carlisle, seven unbeaten in the league. Tell us, where do you think this good form has come from?
3: Um, Honestly, um, I just think it's timing. Um, Obviously, we're adjusting to a new league. We're finding our feet. The players have left, players have come in. So we're just kind of finding our identity in the initial stages. And obviously, it was without... Our our main man, um, our striker, Dan Ajay, who's who's been very influential during our run. He scored four and four, who's unfortunately now injured. Um, But yeah, I think it's just timing, you know, just kind of putting all the pieces together. um, And obviously myself being out earlier on in the season and physically not being right and, you know, feeling a bit more up to the scratch of late. Um, I think there's just been a culmination of things. That's just been the time. It's been the timing for us to kind of hit, hit the right form. Um, So yeah, and I guess momentum as well. Um, I guess we've kind of off the back of the recent results over the top teams, beating the likes of Portsmouth, beating the likes of Bolton. um, It's kind of instilled a level of confidence that our boys feel like, you know what, we want to keep going and kick on.
0: So modest, Omar. I mean, you could have just come straight out and said it. I was injured. That's why we weren't winning every week. We we got our answer in the end, anyway. Um, listen, talk us through the game at the weekend very quickly. A good win at the weekend. We won't mention the opener. Let's just call that good closing down. But a uh, a very good victory. Very good victory. How did you feel out there?
3: Yeah, no, it was a it was a strange game. Off the back of in, and you know, it's, it's tough. The mental side of the game, you know, when you come away from games playing. Charlton on Boxing Day, Portsmouth away, you know, Bolton away and then Bolton at home. And then um, it, those are big fixtures and you kind of, it's naturally easy for the lads to get up for the game, whereas the atmosphere isn't probably at its best. And, um you know, Carlisle probably a little bit more passive. They're, they're finding their way of doing doing things. So I guess it's naturally maybe a little bit hard um, for lads to probably get themselves up for it. But, you know, with what the challenge is that was presented for us, you know, I think the boys handled with it well, you know, we went down a goal and statistically when, when a team scores a goal at this level, it's almost like they're going to win the game. So we showed good character to come back throughout the season. Um, and I think where we were confident and in a 3 one position, I think obviously it was just unfortunate with the penalty, but um, I, I feel like we were, it could have been five, one in all honesty. Um, so, um, so look, it, we can take a lot of confidence away from it. It's not ideal the way we wanted to close the game, but, Nonetheless, it's three points and sometimes those games can be those bogey games where you slip up. So it's happy that we step away with three points.
0: Full of modesty this evening, full of modesty. Uh, <laughs> go ahead, Curtis.
1: <laughs> Omar, um, obviously when we played Jews, we unfortunately were well on the end of a, a comeback from yourselves, having having conceded two very late on. Do you feel that the lads dug in and remembered that and knew that, you know, we can come back into this game, we've got enough time? And that's what allowed you to to, to get back into that game. And and the mentality just got stronger from that day.
3: Yeah, 100%. I think there's been quite a few games where that's happened throughout the season. And it's just instilled that belief that we know that we can do it. Um, I think we were at Exeter away and we went down 1-0. And then we ended up winning that game 2-1. So um, I think, yeah, games like that um, are markers that we can hold to. And I think there was a little bit of a theme of us coming back from a goal behind where traditionally, as I said before, you know, once you go a goal down, statistically, the team that scores first wins the game and we've been able to really defy the odds. So I think the lads have taken confidence knowing that we can do that. And I think in a lot of the lads finding their feet at this level for the first time, um, I think we just kind of, yeah, like I said, it's timing. So I think we're we're really confident at this point in time and hopefully we can continue to build on the run that we've been on. Late playoff push? <laughs> Honestly... <laughs> I'm just thinking <laughs> about getting to 50 points as soon as possible. <laughs> there we go. There <laughs> it is. I'm, I see, I,
1: I'm an Orient fan, you know, so obviously I um, I would love to see the, the team do well. If it's not going to be us and it's it's not going to be Derby, then um, yeah. I'd love to see Orient up there
3: and um, and doing good things. Yeah, Now, why not? Look, look, we obviously, as, as I say, we do, we would like to get to 50 points as soon as possible. But um, we want to tackle it game by game and just see where we end up. Um, after the run that we had and you know beating the likes of with being the likes of Bolton and um, and and just the run that we're currently on you know we currently just have to kind of believe within ourselves that anything is possible but we're not going to get carried away it's game by game it's being present in each moment is what's got us into this position in the first place but there's a it's a big mountain to climb and I think we've still got about 10 points gap to fill and it's, it's tough you know teams that are in there um, I can't see them really dropping loads and loads of points so um, we do have to play them. So they're going to be the real massive games, the deciders. Um, but yeah, we'll see. We're open to it.
0: Now, Omar, I do want to just get you to take your boots off and put your PFA chair hat on for a moment because there are some serious issues facing us in English football, in world football, of course. But but we've seen some incidents over the last few weeks of racism in the EFL. This weekend we saw the Birmingham midfielder, Janino Bakuna, complaining to the ref against West Brom in that that Midlands derby about racial abuse from certain people in the crowd. That's the second time this season he's had to uh, complain to referees about treatment, play briefly held up late in Wimbledon's game in League Two against Bradford at Valley Parade. Uh, the Lebanon striker Omar Bugil reporting that he was a victim of alleged racist abuse from someone in the crowd as well. It's Listen, that's just this weekend. We could talk about this maybe every Monday on the show which is the saddest thing I think for me and I'm sure for you guys as well I mean what is your view on all of this Omar why why is it happening I don't know if you can answer that but what do we do about it moving forward
3: it's, it's such a tough question you know it's not a football issue it's a societal issue and for us to think that football is going to be the cure and the answer to all of society's issues is probably not going to be the case I, I definitely feel like collectively the footballing ecosystem has said that we want to really take a stance against racism so you know with everyone buying into that concept um the messaging that we've translated over to be at the PGMOL and the other organizations that have been you know established kick it out show racism the red card you know the messaging is that we need to take a stronger stance to really address these matters and um yeah, we've we've getting that message across. we've been told thereafter you know there's certain protocols for people to properly be um be it prosecuted and and to be you know pulled out of the crowd. We need to stop it in that moment you know it, that's that's the messaging we're getting. so we're just following the messaging that's been put in place to make sure that proper um you know I guess the, the, the pr- proper protocols are carried out and people are you know either ejected from the stadium and and banned and so on and so forth. And Honestly, I don't know if that's going to be the answer, um, but we're just taking each step as it comes and we're seeing if, if, for instance, these consequences are going to bring a change and bring a shift, but we, we're never going to know unless we try. Um, do I believe that this is going to be the, ultimately the answer to change things? I do not know, but I think it's safe to say that we all agree that you know um, it's come a long way from where it used to be, but we don't want to see um, players racially abused um, or discriminated for the colour of their skin um, or even their religious beliefs, for that matter. But, you know, um, yeah, I think we need to start somewhere. And I think this is the starting point we're at. So hopefully we're going to see some some change take place because of it.
1: Omar, with every process, obviously, and every complaint, there's always um, an innocent until proven guilty um, type thing. Um, but the big thing is, ultimately, you need people that sit around them to be witnesses. Um, so unfortunately, when you go to games, it's it's tribal, you know, these people, they sit next to this certain person for two, three, four, five, ten 10 years, you don't know. So do you think part of the problem is getting people to be witnesses as much as
3: obviously the fact that people are calling those names in the first place? I, I completely agree. I think without that necessary action, all those protocols that are being put in place, it's, it's useless. It's really pointless. And I think there was even a case where I think Casey Palmer played against, that was it Sheffield Wednesday again. And then I think mm. he was booed maybe mm. when he got the ball, you know, it's like ideally in an ideal world, what we're hoping is that the people that are witnessing um, these acts of racism will be the very people that will call them out and then kind of instill that, you know what, we've come a long way in football. Yes, but we still want to hold ourselves with a level of integrity that, you know what, in the midst of, you know, the opposition and us against them, it's like, we still have standards. We still have values and I just think morally we need to we need to be able to say, you know what, we stand for this and I'm and I'm not gonna excuse that because we have black players on our own team, you know? So I think I think there should be more that should be done from the stands. It would be nice to see fans also take their place. But honestly, I'm not saying that they're the ones to blame. It's just it's like I said, it's a societal issue, it's a it's a it's a difficult one to to really um eradicate. I don't think we're gonna ever completely do so, but I think we can make our best effort to do so. So, yeah.
0: Just finally on this, I know, but I don't want headlines because you've got a match tomorrow to focus on. So I'm going to ask uh, Curtis instead. We've seen in uh, AC Milan recently, Mike on all right, they didn't leave the game as a whole, but taking that pause to walk off with your team and almost say, look, unless this stops... The entertainment that we provide for you, you're not going to be able to have. You're not going to be able to watch a match unless you can behave in the stands, unless we do st- totally stamp this out. Is that something that you, as a current player, would support?
1: I'd support the idea of um, of, of walking off and, and attempting to get people to deal with it. Um, be it. Listen, it's difficult for stewards. We've spoken about this before. You know, stewards don't get paid enough to, to, to be... The ones that have to be front and centre of, of these kinds of incidents. But if you're able to get police involved and you're able to identify who they are and, and get them removed and then you can continue the game, I'm all for it. But at the end of the day, I grew up as a kid wanting to play football, um, wanting to play in front of fans, wanting to play in front of people. And why should I let these people deny me doing this? You know, and that's just, that's my opinion. Some people would like to walk off, some people want the game cancelled. I'm, I'm just the other way. I'm like, I'm going to show you, I'm going to prove to you. I'm going to be the black, this, black, that, whatever you want to call me, I'm going to show you how good I am as a player. And then you're going to forget about what color I was you're going to forget. You're going to remember how well I did against your team and almost I'm, I'm, I'm a fighter in that way. I'm a fighter by, by actions, rather than uh, in terms of on the pitch, yeah. rather than making, um, I guess, bold statements or, or, or walking off the pitch. So, don't get me wrong, if it was someone else and, and that's what they wanted to do it, and I I was I'd be willing to support anyone that wanted to do that. And I, I do believe in in the people that have done it. Um there's no problem with that. That's them and their individual um beliefs. But for me, I'd want to prove it and then hopefully, you know, not I'm not a striker, unfortunately, so I can't score the goal, but I'd love to score a goal and then go down that end and celebrate and, and let him look at me a little bit more.
0: Okay, all right. I appreciate your honesty on that one. And for Omar Beckles of Leyton Orient for joining us. You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2 in partnership with McDonald's. Automate delivery on the McDonald's app. You'll get tasty reward points. It's 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Up next, we're going to discuss the new manager at Charlton Athletic.
2: TalkSport 2, official broadcast partner of the Premier League.
0: You're listening to EFL All Access on TalkSport 2. I'm Hugh Wozencroft alongside Curtis Davis. Cheltenham Town at centre-back is with us. Uh, we do need to talk about a pretty big piece of news in League One, Curtis. Charlton Athletic appointing the former Southampton and Luton boss Nathan Jones as their new manager on a long-term contract, been out of work since February of last year after he was sacked by Southampton after just 95 days in charge. Remember, though, that Jones took Luton to the championship playoff semi-finals as recently as 2022, where they lost to Huddersfield. So it's quite a surprising appointment. I wonder what you think about the fact that maybe he's decided, rather than Charlton, which I expect they feel it's a very good appointment, but why he's decided to return to football at this level. I think um, he wanted to get back in. I think that's
1: the that's the thing that happens with managers. I think I've only met Nathan, well, I've met him several times, but in terms of, I don't know him personally, but he seems that kind of energetic person that needs to be in and around it and wants to be part of it every day. So I imagine as good as the money can be from pay-ups, from, from being sacked from Premier League teams... I'm sure he wanted to get back in. So I think um, the Charlton opportunity came up. I think he looked at the squad and and what they've got. I think he probably saw a way that he can do things to improve things first and foremost for the rest of this season. But I think he probably sees a a route to potentially getting a a team promoted. So um, I think as long as Charlton are willing to give a manager time this time, Mm. um, this is their third manager of the season. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's it. So this is their third manager of the season. Um, but I think it's a good appointment. It's a, it's a fantastic appointment for them. And it's down to Nathan to go and do the business and show how good he is. Because as we've spoken about before, he's he's done it with Luton Town and he's taken Luton Town to the heights. Oh. But unfortunately, that that blemish on his record will be the Southampton Premier League role. But ultimately, I don't think anyone else did much at Southampton either that season.
0: Yeah, I think he suffered here from a public perception, maybe a bit of a PR disaster during his time at Southampton which of course was very, very high profile because given what he's done in the Championship and given some of the managerial appointments we've seen in the Championships and managers with very little experience, you know, you wonder why Nathan Jones wouldn't have been higher on the list of some of those clubs, especially given the job that he did with Luton was one on a very limited budget where we know a lot of clubs in the Championship are in that similar mould. Now maybe they feel like as a personality, yes, very energetic. That's one way to describe it, I guess. But maybe they just didn't feel like he was the right fit. I'm not sure. And I'm sure he's spoken to clubs in the Championship about some of those vacant roles. Bit of a surprise for me to see him at Charlton Athletic, but I do think they've got a good manager, and I do think a club that size with a manager with talent can go far. So fingers crossed for both the club and for Nathan Jones this time. It is a success. Very quickly before we go let's dive uh, into League 2. There were some big results at the top of League 1 but let's dive into League 2 as the clock is rather against us. Salford 3, Wrexham 1, Salford extending their unbeaten run under Carl Robinson now to 5 matches. Uh, Promotion chasers Wrexham of course dropped to 4th now in League 2. Salford stay 19th. Elsewhere Mansfield beat Notts County by a goal to nil. Davis. Keylor Dunn, 15 this season, important victory for Mansfield, Notts County um, not yet with a win under their new manager, he's only had a couple of opportunities of course, and maybe the, the biggest win if you like was Barrow beating MK Dons by a goal to nil 78 minutes, goal Stockton with the goal as two playoff hopefuls went head to head How did you see those those results and how they affect the top of the table?
1: Well I think first and foremost when when you talk about League one, Salford City, uh, League two, sorry, Salford City, having just got to grips with a, another team that um, obviously like to to sack managers, um, just starting to get to grips with their new manager and starting to climb the table from, from low down. I think the Wrexham result was massive. You know, um, they're a team that I think just because of the sheer wealth and the money that they've spent, we maybe expected them to, to roll over that Salford team, but they weren't able to do so. Um, you know, Stock, Stockport are still going great guns and I think the Mansfield one's really interesting because if you look at Mansfield over their last few games it was a really good win against Notts County and I think five games ago it was a really good win against Stockport themselves but between that they've lost to Crew, drawn with Morecambe, lost to AFC Wimbledon and drawn with Sutton so if they had picked up a few more points in that, they could now be sitting on the top and and be the ones ruling the roost. But um, I think they'll be frustrated with those results. But they had such a good start to the season there. They are where they are because of that. So I think um, they've got a really good chance of, of staying in those automatics.
0: OK, Curtis, Tottenham is against us, but I appreciate you being with us this evening. Best of luck against Burton Albion away from home for Cheltenham Town tomorrow points very much essential at this point in time. So we wish you all the best of luck. Thank you for joining us on EFL All Access.